0: Cool. Well, today we're starting a new, new series um, called The Big Picture. And um, I'm quite excited about it um, for a number of reasons. We're going to be following a kind of a story pattern. You see, with every kind of movie and story ever told, there's a set pattern that pretty much everything kind of goes through. First of all, the film starts and the context is like portrayed and the picture is painted and the challenge or the impending doom um, if you're watching like Independence Day, like, ah, the world's gonna end, ah! And that kind of situation. And it focuses on a main character and portrays who they are and portrays their weaknesses. There's always like um, just this frailty and f- fragile kind of main person in there. And then there's always a character who like, is the guru, like the teacher. They're the one who's gonna meet the character, empower them, encourage them to face up to so, like a call to action to do something. And whether they do the call to action when they start on that journey, when they go to do that, to face their problem and their situation, it determines whether the film will either be a comedy, happy ending, much the laugh, or a tragedy. And so today what we're doing is we're kind of setting the scene for um, our context. Silly Hill, we're going to play as the main character of the story, which is kind of all of us. And um, we're going to look at our context today. Um, Wired Magazine in 2012 said that the new rock stars of the IT industry are the data analysts. And I remember reading that and thinking, data analysts, rock stars, not really the same thing. Uh, Can't really imagine a data analyst being this kind of guy like, wow, yeah, and having a tour bus and picking up all the ladies afterwards. Just doesn't work in my imagination. But um, according to Wired Magazine, that is the truth. And then as you look into it, there's a reason why. Um, Companies no longer take huge shifts and risks based upon um, vision or based upon a gut feeling or instinct, everything comes down to data nowadays. For example, if you look to Amazon or eBay, um, if you go on there and make a purchase, what's going to happen is they do this thing called A-B testing. So website A will go to like a million people, website B will go to a different million people. And then from the statistics, the data they gather will determine which one they use for a wider target audience. So for example, you make your purchase on Amazon and it says, thank you for shopping with us. Like, oh, yeah. oh yeah, thanks, And then great. And then the date, then person who goes to website B gets, did you get everything you were looking for? And they're like, oh, did I? Did I get, it? I don't know. And then they start typing in and doing another search, like remembering something they forgot. And then what the data analysts come in and do is they look at the stats from Eva and they go, well, 25% of those on website A went to search for something else afterwards. And of that 25%, only 40% made a purchase. But at website B, 75% went on to search for other goods. And of the 70%, 89% made a purchase. Well, that's a no-brainer. We change our own message. Everyone from now on will receive the message, did you get everything you were looking for? And so data analysts have become the new rock stars because CEOs are like, this guy can increase my margin and there is no risk because we know exactly who our customer is, how they behave, and how they respond to it. And so that is why they are like making huge bucks in performance pay and stuff like that. Don't know why I did that. So today what we're looking at is a few different things which are kind of our data and our big data. And sometimes with big data what happens is when you look at it, it gets a bit overwhelming. And we do what we tend to do in church, which is the ostrich position, which is like data is overwhelming, disagrees with us. Doesn't, we don't like the data, so we just stick our head in the sand and hope that one day we'll wake up and revival will be there. Um, not really a smart strategy, if you ask me. So, 1.2 million people have come into the United Kingdom that are Christians. Of the 1.2 million, 859,000, give or take a few, um, are white Europeans. The other 400,000 are pretty much Nigerian. <laughs> no, there are other African nations in there. But there's a lot of Nigerians coming to the country that are Christians. <laughs> no, um, personally, I would like it if they let Lecayne... No no, 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 I I love Lecayne. He's my, my homeboy for life. So, uh, this 1.2 million people, this influx. And so, basically, a lot of churches have looked at that and gone like, Wow, look at us, church growth! Yeah! Well, yeah, it is church growth, but um, we're kind of stealing them from elsewhere. And then 5.3 million people have left the church since 2001 to 2011. million people, that's pretty scary. And then what the data analysts came up with, it took them three years to do this because the government census don't hire the same guys as uh, Google and Amazon and eBay, there's no incentive bonus. So what they found out was, after three years of data crunching, that the church is declining 50% faster than they previously thought. And the reason for that is that one in five Christians are 65 plus within the UK. We're literally dying. And the scary thing is that that has led to us having the fourth lowest church attendance in the whole of Europe. The only, church, the only countries worse are Hungary, France and Denmark. That really hurt me. I have been to Sweden. I have sat through a Swedish church service and like literally no one blinks. And the reason no one blinks, if you blink, you would be thinking about gouging out your eyes. It is that painful. And the fact that Sweden is ahead of us... Really, really hurt me. The only good churches in Sweden are the Pentecostal ones. Everyone else is just like, oh my gosh, it is, it is, seriously, it is painful. I'd advise you to book a ticket to go there. Just like people watch bad movies for fun, go to Sweden. Visit, visit a church there and tell me you didn't want to kill yourself. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to edit that out of the talk, but um, yeah, cool. So these are the only countries performing worse than us. And what that leads to is this. That within 10 years time in the UK, Christianity, if it carries on its current trajectory, will no longer be the leading religion within the UK. Islam will be. Because they have, 50% of Muslims are 25 and under. So they're growing in the, in the youth popularity states. And that was in 2011. Sadly, it took three years to work that out. Because that all got released in 2013 in the mainstream media. We are now in 2014, which means... If things carry on the same rate, that would be seven years left until that would take place or happen. I don't think that's quite going to happen, but I think it's going to continue to be a rapidly changing horror story. Now, when we look at these statistics on a Sunday morning, some of you are looking at me and like, gee, thanks for waking me up, <laughs> getting me all the way to Clapham Common to tell me, I don't know, the world's going to end. Apocalypse, whatever, all that kind of jazz. Um, that's, that's not what I'm doing. Um, I took great encouragement this week from from two stories really. The first was from Elijah. I love Elijah. I think he's awesome, not just because God used him in amazing ways and saw awesome miracles take place, but I love Elijah because he sees fire come down in the greatest barbecue of all time. Uh, he's been pouring water on it and it's acting like petrol. The guy is like having a great time, proves who God is, sorts out the other prophets, kills them all. Has a huge party. Everyone in the nation's like, I, Elijah, high five! You're amazing. Your God's awesome. We're going to kind of switch over to the, we're going to switch the trend now. We're going to turn these figures around. We're going to come with you. We're going to follow you, and not this pal and all that nonsense." And so that kind of takes place. That happens. Then um, a certain lady hears about it and says, "Well, yeah, you killed all my prophets. Well, guess what? I'm going to do the same to you. You're going to end up like them." And what Elijah does is he doesn't go, "Well, I've called down the world's greatest barbecue." on a load of meat with water on it, um, so I don't care what you say. Screw you, I'm gonna carry on being me, thanks. He doesn't, he literally bricks it, and just runs away, hides away, and then he says these great lines to God. He's like talking, having this conversation with God, and he's like, there is only me! I am the only one who is left. There is no one else but me, everyone else has gone. He's like, he's like a guy at a bar, Hitting shots of whiskey, like, God, it's just me. No one else cares about you. And God just does this whole thing with him, talks him through it and says, I want you to go anoint some kings. I want you to go anoint Elisha. He's going to kind of take over your mantle, that kind of jazz. And then right at the end, God drops this bomb. It's kind of like a rap battle kind of thing. And God just like gets on the stage, has the mic and goes, oh, by the way, there's 7,000 people that haven't bowed down kissed bow. And he's like, boom, <coughs> my exit stage left. And it's like, if I was Elijah and God said to me, there are th- no, 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 Elijah, it's not that bad. There's 7,000 people. I'd be like, are you kidding? Like, I-, I was a bit exaggerating when there was only me, but the 7,000 really doesn't comfort me. That's not many people. We're talking a big nation. You're telling me there's 7,000 left? I didn't know it was that bad, God. It's that's pretty, that's pretty terrible. But um, God did something awesome, and He turned that situation around. And so, when we look at the big data, it can be a bit overwhelming, and it can be a bit frightening. The awesome news is one plus God equals mm-hmm. majority. It's a great mathematical formula that I've loved for many a year. Um, God has a, a history of like turning things around, which is so, so, so awesome, so awesome. But ultimately, the passage I want us to look at today there's my Bible, is I want us to turn to the most exciting book in the history of the Bible. Who's going to guess what book we're turning to? Hebrew. Hebrews. No, that is that, that really is. I'm being sarcastic. It's not like an exciting book. Cool. So... <laughs> Uh, someone wanna, someone wanna guess? Song of Solomon? Yeah. That's a good guess. But judging by what I've been talking about, do you really think I'm gonna be talking about sex? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, who can guess the most riveting, exciting book in the whole of the Bible? Numbers. No, Numbers is a bad one. This, I, I can promise you, this is worse than Numbers. There's not many books worse than Numbers. Come on now. There's gonna be someone. Moses, you must be getting the feeling where I'm going. Yeah. No, 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 no. Is it this lamentations? Is, is it no, these are exciting books you're giving to me, like, like, man. Like, right. No, no, no. It's no. Micah. You guys are just, Micah's a Batman book. What's wrong with you, bruh? Sorry. Like, <laughs> the no, law, the law God's Lord. instruction, that's exciting to me. Okay, think of real boredom. Like, real boredom. Like, the ultimate, viable boredom. No, no, the ultimate, the champion, everyone knows this book. I skipped this book out at one College. Seriously, I had to read the whole book. I got to it. I was like, forget those chapters. Like, seriously, I did. I did. And also, I skipped out the repetitions. I put it in my end-of-year report. But hey, who cares? So, um, lost me marks, but I'm over it. Chronicles, oh. first Chronicles. Oh. How can any, <laughs> the first four chapters? Okay, well, okay, uh, you guys like Chronicles. And he's like, hey, I like them. <laughs> you guys, you guys are messed up. Go to Sweden, they'll love you there. They'll love you guys in Sweden. And then this is a typical Swedish service now. Adam, Seth, Enoch, Kiman. Malalel, Jared, pause, Semicolon, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, Shem, Ham. Yeah, I read about them in the last few books, thanks. <laughs> the sons of Japheth? No! Skip down, keeps going, keeps going. And then you get down to verse 28, and you see this really comforting header in your Bible, from Abraham to Jacob. And then, I lose the world to live. And then you get down to chapter 2, and it's like the genealogy of David. More riveting stuff. These are the sons of Israel. Really? With that, we're not even far into it. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Joseph, Benjamin, (laughs) Napoli, Gad, Asher, the sons of Judah. Oh, This is actually probably the most exciting part I got to when I was in Bible college. Uh, the sons of Judah. Uh Onan. Sheila. Oh, yeah, there's an Aussie. <laughs> Sorry. That, I, I thought that was funny. And then you skip ahead to the next chapter, and then you're like, the descendants of David, oh, you've got to be kidding me. These are the sons of David who were born to him in Hebron. Ammon. Oh, yeah, I'm just. Yeah. And then you get to chapter four, and it's like, the sons of Judah. Perez, Hilton, Hezron, um, <laughs> Kami, Her, Shobel, what is that name? Rehaya? Rehara. And the son of Shobel. Yeah, whatever. And so, yeah, we kind of. I think everyone knows where I'm kind of going for because it's the only exciting part in the whole of this. And you just go through all of that and then you get down into verse 9. This passage like, obviously this is a book. as best-selling, one of the best-selling books. Jabez was more honourable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Chalab. The brother of Shur, fathered Meher, who fathered Eshton. And it just carries on like nothing's happened. And as I was reading that this week, something really encouraged me. Because I've been looking at these figures and I've been thinking about big data and I wanted to paint the picture of our society and I wanted to remind everyone why we do what we do at City Hill. Why our three core values are shine, we want to make Jesus known in our lives. Invite, we want to invite people to... Be here at City, Ch- City Hill. City Chill. City Chill. Yeah. church. Yeah. At City Hill Church. Um, we want to invite people. We want to make an environment where they can come, and they can engage with this Jesus without it being intimidating and being easy. No judgment. All that kind of jazz. And three, we want to be givers because God generously gives to us. And we hear in that passage he generously gave to Jabez a huge life change and shift. And that is what we do because of this. Because this matters. Because our nation matters. Because the situation we're in matters and for this to change we have to switch to a a missional mentality and what i loved about this passage was you're going through all these names and you're going through all this data and you're going through all these things and you can sometimes forget that these numbers represent individual people and sometimes you read through that passage you see all these names and some of them you know some of them appear in the bible but don't really do anything some of them have huge stories some of them don't have any story and jabez doesn't really have any story except for here. It just drops this bomb in the middle of nowhere. He doesn't really feature anywhere else. And it just starts his story here. And it says that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. It says that his mum bore him in pain. And when we read that, we can be disillusioned or or, or maybe lulled, 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 lulled into thinking that it's just talking about, oh, they had like a really traumatic birth. And that's what's going on. Well, the Hebrew word used for pain in a number of instances in this particular passage isn't talking about just physical. It's talking about grief, almost like a depression, almost like a heaviness. There's a heaviness, there's a sadness (coughs) around this period where she's having Jabez. There's this hurt, there's this pain, there's this heaviness, there's this sickness, there's this suffering that she's going through. And she calls him Jabez because she bore him in this time of great sadness and great hurt and great suffering. And if you look at Jabez, he gets to this point in his life where he says, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory, that I might not be in pain anymore, that I might not be in this grief. I might not be in this sadness anymore. And do you know what I love about Jabez? I remember reading, I can't even remember where I read this. I think it might have been one of those... Friday night. I might not even read it. One of those Friday nights down the pub where someone tells a story and you go, "Oh, wow, that's amazing." I think, judging by the story, um, it must have been a really good night. Um, but um, I can remember this story, and someone was talking about like this experiment. There was this, this moment, and so it was like they did this experiment. I think it was a chimpanzee or a dog. I can't remember the animal too well. It was a really good night, and um, he was talking about they set out this parameter, this area, and it wasn't really marked by anything visible, like a. A fence or anything and anytime the animal tried to go outside of the perimeter it would get like this device on it would give it like a little electric shock not nothing like major but a shock be like, oh. and then over a period of time it happened for so long every time as it went to go out of the, the the zone the area they marked out it would get shot to the point where it would no longer try and step out of the zone it would no longer try and move out of this area that had been designated So it have been shocked so many times, and now it's like, I'm not even going to try this, I'm not even going to try and get out of this territory, I'm not even going to try and change this, because every time I step out, I get shocked. And in the end, they remove the device, and the animals still (coughs) step out of the boundary. Because they've been shocked so many times, that it learned to have what we would probably call like a slavery mentality of being held in this position, and embracing its environment, and would no longer try to step out. What I love about Jabez... Is he was, not even when, he, even before he was born, his, his mum has had him in this huge sadness, in this huge pain, in this huge depression, in this huge grief. And what it says is, he's lived this life this way, and he says this, he says, Lord, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. He has lived his whole life up until this point, stepping out, getting zapped, stepping out, getting zapped trying him hurt he's lived in this pain that has defined who he is his name is even by definition pain and he suffered and he suffered and he suffered and he's there and instead of being like this is my situation i'm just going to stay in it he says oh god that you will bless me and enlarge my territory and it says that i might not be in pain anymore but actually in the hebrew that's not what he says what he says is that i might grieve that i might grieve You see, what we have in our society is understanding of pain. I want to run away from the pain. We're like Jabez. We go, that I might not be in pain anymore. I don't want the pain. 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 But what what he's saying to God is, oh, that you will bless me and enlarge my territory that I can grieve. That I can go through this grief process to a transition to see change in my situation. So often in life, you can get zapped so many times that you stop stepping out. You can get zapped so many times you can stop believing for what God has for you. You can get zapped so many times or get see the big picture, the big data that tells you this is all there is and you can believe it and you can stay within it, but not Jabez. Jabez embraces not only his situation but the pain of his situation. He's like, God, I'm happy to go through the grief, the grieving. I'm happy to go through the grieving. I want this behind me now. I'm embracing, I'm moving on. You know what? There is power in the place that God holds you in. God is the only, I heard a guy called Darius Daniels say, he said, God is the only person who will take you to school and not let you know you're in class. And sometimes you don't realise you're in class until you've come the other side of it and you realise what he's done in your life. And Jabez has been going through class. He's been born in a situation that defines him as this, that says you are pain, your name is pain, this is your portion. this is your life. You are going to be in this grief, this sadness. This is who you are. This is all you're ever going to know. And he's just there going, no way. I'm going to keep stepping out. I'm going to keep trusting my God. I'm going to keep going for this. I'm going to keep christened him. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. And sometimes in life we can go through periods where we feel so restricted, so closed in on. It's like suffocating. You just feel suffocated by your situation. That you can't break free of it. and you can't progress out of it. and you can't move out of it. Oh, Lord, that you would bless us, God. That you will bless us, that you would enlarge our territory, that we can step out. So often we can see these kind of stats, and we can do this thing where we try and share faith, we try and share the goodness of what we've received, and we can get zapped again and again and again and again. And the worst thing that can happen is we stop stepping out, we stop shining, we stop inviting, we stop giving because things hurt around us. We need to take on what happened with Jabez, because you know what? There comes a point where you suffer through the pain, you suffer through the grieving process, and you enter out into a newness of life, free and whole. And not only that, but you end up being a witness in amongst all these names. This unknown guy whose story just had to be told, because amongst every statistic, there's an individual that God wants to move through, that God wants to use. And I believe this morning that every single one of us, every single one of us, no matter what age, no matter what position, I believe what God is saying today that it's okay to hurt. It is okay, but it's time to grieve. It's time to transition through it. It's time to embrace your pain. If you want to keep running away from the pain, it's going to stay there, it's going to stay there, it's going to stay there. That's not what the story of Jabez is about. It's not about avoiding pain. He says, oh, that you have blessed me and enlarged my territory, that I may grieve. He's not like you and me. He's not trying to run away. He's embracing the challenge. He's embracing the pain. Because through the pain, God is going to shape him and transform him. And the Bible says that God granted his request. I want you to know this morning, wherever you are at, I know where I'm at right now, he is going to grant the request. (laughs) He is going to bless us. And there's going to be a time of transition for us. But it may hurt. And it's not about avoiding the hurt, but embracing the hurt. It's not about running away from the frustration, it's embracing the frustration. It's not about running away from stepping out. Because so often in life when we get rejected, the one thing we start to do is we go in on ourselves and we hide away. But God is calling us out. He's calling us to step out, to be a people that would take risks, to be a people that no matter how many times we get knocked back we'll be like, Lord, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. I'm ready to grieve. I'm ready to grieve. I'm ready to hurt. I'm ready to move through it all. I'm ready to move through it all. Father God, I just ask that you would come and you would speak to us. Father, you know every each individual situation, but more than just this story, more than just our story, today we look at the big picture and the big data and the situation of our nation and we say, Lord, oh that you would bless us, oh that you would enlarge our territory, That you would let us grieve this transition of change. We don't like changes in churches, individuals, and anything. But Lord, that you would help us to grieve. That you would come and you would move among us, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and do the work on the inside that none of us can do. So just want to encourage you guys to just do business with God, to talk to God because he can do in an instant more than any talk, discipleship course or any other thing can do for us more than any degree more than any amount of money that can be put in our hands straight away he can bring transformation that just changes everything and sometimes we have to not run away from the pain but embrace it I just want to call you guys and I want to call myself Look, God, here I am Father God, you know the pain that hurts in my heart. You know the fears that I have. You know the inadequacy that I have. You know everything about me, God. And you know that I keep on stepping out. And I just feel zapped. I feel restricted. I feel suffocated. I feel like my world is closing in on me at times. And I'm sure there are many more that feel like that here this morning as well. But Father God, we just come to you and we say, Oh, that you would, bless us this morning. Oh, that you would enlarge our territory this morning. We are ready to grieve, Lord. We are ready to grieve and to let go of past pains and hurts. We're ready to transition to newness of life. I thank you, Father, that you are a Father that answers our requests. And that this morning, for each one of us, in whatever situation we're in, you've already granted it. In Jesus' name. Amen.